0: Last Friday, Brent Venables provided a passionate plea to Sooner Nation to show up for the spring game on April 23rd. With the spring finale less than two weeks away, I'd expect Venables and the rest of the OU football program to ramp up the marketing in the coming days as the school continues to push to pack the palace. Traditionally, Oklahoma doesn't fill Gaylord Family Memorial Stadium for the spring game, but Sooner fans have done a pretty good job showing up in recent years, and begrudgingly, Lincoln Riley does deserve a lot of credit for that. I mean, he does. Remember 2018? That was the Trace Adkins spring game where the country artist performed before the game. The weather wasn't great that day. It was really windy. It was a little chilly. I remember being on the field for that one. And Sooners fans showed up. 52,000 made it to the stadium that day, a spring game record crowd at Oklahoma. Then a year later, the fans showed up again. And it was on short notice, if you remember. That 2019 spring game, it was pushed up a day to Friday night. Now, a spring game under the lights drew a little bit more than 50,000 people. Not bad, especially considering that there wasn't a pregame concert in 2019 to further boost attendance. Now, the spring game in 2020 didn't happen. We all know why. And last year's spring game in 2021, it featured 22,000 OU fans, but... That's because Oklahoma was still implementing their one quarter capacity rules that carried over from the 2020 football season due to COVID. So now we turn our attention to 2022 on April 23rd. That's going to be the first big on field event of the Brent Venables era. And if Oklahoma's ever going to, quote, pack the palace, isn't this the perfect scenario to do so? Based on 2018 and 2019, I think 50,000 OU fans should be the floor for attendance on Saturday, April the 23rd. Given how energized Oklahoma's fan base is right now, man, I, I'd i sure hope to get at least 60,000 people showing up in Norman, which would be close to three quarters full. Now, Venables made it clear last week that everybody has a role in this OU football program, The fans, the administration, the coaches, the players, everybody. Venable said if you're an Oklahoma fan, you can't just be a fan when it's convenient. Venable said that even when it's not convenient, show up. That's not expecting much. And on the flip side, Venable said his job and the team's job is to provide the fans with a good product on the field. A product that does things the right way and a product the fans can be proud of. Now, the first chance to see if Venables can make good on that will be Saturday, April 23rd. And that's also the first chance for the Sooner fan base to show Venables and the rest of the OU football program that they're not just fans only when it's convenient to be a fan. It's a symbiotic relationship that hopefully gets off to a fantastic start two Saturdays from now. I'm Lee Benson. This is West of Everest. Okay, welcome back into West of Everest once again. I am Lee Benson, and joining me today, as always, is a man whose love of OU football is matched only by his love of chips and salsa. That man, of course, is Grant Benson. Chips and
1: salsa really are just—you know—we we had a, a very deep conversation about this the other day, which is obviously very why the, deep why it came up. Very but um, chips and dip of some sort, typically, I, I would usually prefer it to be salsa or queso. Um, is Uh, is the best snack of all time what i mean tortilla chips and whatever chip dip usually salsa or queso uh by far best snack of all time and i i will hear no arguments against it to be honest with you
0: did you see on twitter the last week or two there's some i don't know what the twitter account was but somebody's because everybody you know latches on to a tweet and it goes viral or whatever somebody was saying hey we're we're canceling people for food opinions. What's your most controversial food opinion? So everyone all, you know, everyone's got food opinions, obviously. And uh, so I, you know, I see stuff like that, and I always want to try to be different because it's really boring to just answer the question and with your whatever your food take is. And so my thought is here's the thing about food takes, and it's a lot of ways music is the same way. Everyone feels that they are just 100% correct about what their take is, And they will hear no rebuttals because they are 100% right. And here's the thing. It's all subjective. Nobody's 100% right. Nobody's 100% wrong. So you know what? My alternate take on it is sitting on the fence.
1: (laughs) Well, you see, Lee, that's because when you ask questions like that, you're not actually asking someone for a verifiable fact. You're just asking someone how they feel. Um, And then when you pose the question in sort of a combative way, that's kind of what brings it out. But this is I, I I saw that same trend you were talking about, and I think it's interesting. It gives me an idea. Maybe we should do the same uh, segment or something like that for OU football. What are what are our hot cancelable OU football takes? That would be Ooh. a that could be a good one. Uh, some maybe some off season uh, banter. But I love the food one, and I, I feel like you and I share probably one of the most controversial ones, and we've we've said it before, which is. Thanksgiving food is generally bad, and the only reason why it's not eaten every single day is because it's not very good. Um, but the one that I was actually thinking of when I saw that last week was my, my one right now, and, and this is one that I've gotten a lot of pushback within our family on. Uh, sour cream is terrible, and anybody who puts it on anything is weird. It's odd. It ruins everything that it's on.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've pushed back on that because I like sour cream. I like sour cream with baked potatoes. I mean, you can't have a baked potato without sour cream. Don't even eat it I mean I like sour cream With Mexican food Put it on a quesadilla um, Maybe like a a chimichanga You know it just kind of adds That kind of that light Cool kind of flavor yeah the people Like obviously the
1: people Who like sour cream Really like sour cream Because when you put it On something That's
0: literally the only Thing you can taste so, ooh, what about? Well, I, I guess maybe you don't like baked potatoes. I mean, another thing you can like a, a, you can kind of use like a, a potato skin that has like cheese and bacon. You dip it into sour cream. Oh my! It's like you're eating a it's like you're eating a, a bite sized baked potato. It's delicious. Now, let me let now seasoned sour cream is a thing, and
1: that's typically used as a dip with not usually chips, yeah. sometimes with chips, but usually like a waffle fry of some sort, and that can be good. That can be good, but the seasoned sour cream is is like is the most important thing there because it's adding stuff to the sour cream to not, you know, to actually make it taste good other than just kind of like cold
0: cream, which doesn't add anything to anything. So I don't know. Okay, you know what? We're doing the thing that I, I detest the most on podcasts. We're we're wasting time. Yeah, People but we got to we gotta get into a groove here. We got to get into a groove. I mean, yeah. this is a, it's it's uh,
1: April. This is a college football podcast. What is an April college football podcast if it's not just hot takes over and over and over again <laughs> so this is this is called a warm-up it's very similar if you're a baseball player you got to go out you got to get in the stretching circle you got to do you got to start with a short toss usually start with your forearm maybe do a little bit of wrist stuff and then you sort of stretch it out you go a little farther and then you're doing long toss and so this is this is
0: our you know this is our progression to long toss ironically a hot take on a normally chilled food and sour cream uh
1: Okay, one of the reasons why sour cream is so terrible is because it's usually add, added to hot things and your hot thing is no longer hot because you put a bunch of ice cold sour cream on it.
0: See, it's I think that's it's similar to how, you know, people like, you know, sweet and salty, it kind of goes together with certain things. For whatever reason sour cream, the, the the chilled sour cream sometimes goes with the hot like burrito or chimichanga or like I go I go to 7-11 and I all get their 7-Eleven burritos, put them in the air fryer, so they come out nice and crispy. And you mix that in with a little bit of sour cream and a little bit of hot sauce. It's a, it's a really healthy snack, I got to say that, and delicious. Um, so, yeah, I think that's just it is. And, and so before we move on, my, my big controversy, we're talking about dipping things or, or thing, uh, you know, some sort of sauce or a condiment that people put on stuff that is very popular, but you, know, you don't like. You know, yours is sour cream. Mine uh, is ranch dressing. I, I think ranch dressing is awful, but it's so popular, and people use it for everything. And I think ranch dressing just ruins everything. So that's kind of my big, big uh, cancelable food take is I, I don't get ranch dressing. I've tried it. I've, I've tried different versions of it, and I hate it. It makes everything worse. So yours is sour cream. Mine's ranch dressing.
1: I also don't like ranch dressing, though. So I, I don't think I'm as aggressive as you in that take, but it's... Uh People can like, like people what they like, ranch but ranch is a crutch. People like, can like what go they want,
0: but sour cream is just a bridge too far for me. <laughs> it's almost like ranch is a crutch sometimes. Like uh, people will get you know pizza to go, and you know, oh, uh, they didn't include their ranch dressing, and it just ruins the entire pizza. Am I thinking? Whoa, 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 whoa! If ranch dressing is going to determine whether or not your pizza meal is good, then that's we like. Just open up a can of ranch and just eat the ranch by itself. It's like people that like peanut butter a lot. Just eat the peanut butter by itself, man. Like you don't need it on anything else. Just eat it. Like I'm not a big peanut butter guy. Peanut butter's fine. It's okay. Uh, it's a. We're getting a little. Uh, we're we're get, we're getting pretty out there now.
1: Uh, peanut okay. butter's yeah, outstanding. You're, right. you're weird. Now I'm so let's let's let's, I'm let's break my let's own move role. on. Who is the Lee? Who is the sour cream of the 2022 Oklahoma Sooners? I don't know. I mean, it, it's in the I, eye I, of the beholder, I, I guess. A guy that I like a lot, but a guy that you detest. That's a great question. I, that's a that's actually a great question. That could have been a new segment that we just born right there, or I, was it planned? I don't know. It's oh, <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Well, uh, did, you, did you read my opening take about the spring game stuff? Yes, I did. I'm actually. Um, I've forgotten. Really I've forgotten interesting about numbers in there. The, the, uh, mostly, I, mean, I just knew the from, the, the, the uh, 2019 the night one was pretty well attended. Uh, But I totally forgot that the 2018 one with terrible weather had a lot of people, too. Yeah, the 2018 one, I don't
1: remember as much. Um, 2019, obviously, I do just because it was at night. And that was the Jalen Hurts one as well. This thing that that got that surprised me was these other uh, Clemson, Florida State, uh, A&M, the one that surprised me the most. Nobody went to any of those.
0: Okay, remember, people can't see our rundown, so you can't just reference things on your screen and know that people you you said know, know what well you're you
1: talking said, about. You, said, you, said, you, said, you said Texas A&M, there were 22,000. You said that in the opening I, take as No, well. I didn't.
0: No, I didn't. I, I didn't do that. No, you didn't read it. You didn't read my opening take. You said you did, and you didn't. I didn't reference anybody. I referenced OU. That was it. Okay, Ridiculous. well, I knew. I'm looking at the rundown right here. I absolutely
1: read that like an hour and a half to two hours ago when you did not have it in the rundown because it didn't exist. And I knew you were going to say that. So there was something in there.
0: <laughs> All right. So our listeners are confused right now. What I did is I wrote down bullet points of other spring games that have happened so far this year, which basically happened last weekend, because I'm curious on the number of people that have gone to spring games. And so, uh, you know, like we we've talked before in this podcast, the the big schools that get a lot of fans of spring games, the aforementioned Alabama, where we're talking about fad turnip seed in the past, Alabama gets a lot of fans at spring game and you I think you mentioned Nebraska one time Nebraska famously gets a lot of people at their spring game well Nebraska had its spring game last Saturday so just a couple of days ago three days ago and Nebraska packed in a little bit more than 54,000 people and I did their stadium holds Uh, maybe one of us can do that here as I filibuster but I was surprised to see you know 54,000 for Nebraska and then uh, referencing the fact that Oklahoma in recent years got as high as 52,000 so I don't know if that was a, a down year for Nebraska. I don't know if they normally get a lot more than 54,000 and this year it was just maybe low, maybe the weather was bad in Nebraska, I don't know. That stadium holds 90,000. So it's very similar to OU. OU holds about 86, 88 somewhere in there depending on, you know, what a good day or bad day. So I don't know if that's a, you know, a, a good day for a spring game for Nebraska, 54,000 plus or if that's a normal day or what. But I was pleasantly surprised. I was under the impression that
1: st- Selling out the spring game at Nebraska is is something that happens fairly regularly.
0: And if if so, then that means this year was a a bad year. But, you know, 54,000, still a little bit more than Oklahoma got when it got the most it's ever gotten in 2018. And so that's Nebraska. Clemson also had its spring game. I saw a uh, a tweet from Clemson's spring game, a, a photo, and it looked like there was nobody there. I guess the weather was awful. It was in the 40s. It was like 40, according to this tweet I saw. Uh, but Clemson reported, though, that 35,000 fans were there. So who knows, whenever that picture was taken, it didn't look like 35,000 fans, when the photo I saw. But uh, Clemson reported 35,000, but still compared to uh, uh, Oklahoma before the pandemic, that's, that's fewer fans. I know you had, and I know the weather was bad, but the weather was not good in 2018. I mean, it was probably in the 40s or 50s with the wind blowing out, uh, you know, 30, 40 miles an hour. And I don't know if, I mean, people came to see Trace Atkins pregame. And also that was, you know, Kyler Murray. It was his first spring game. I remember that spring game being unwatchable because they couldn't throw exactly. the win because Exactly. Because the wind was so bad. And that was, it, it sucked because we were trying to get, you know, new, you know, it was the first time we've had a chance to really get video of Kyler Murray, like in full action. And he couldn't throw it because the wind was so bad. <laughs> uh, so that was Clemson this past year. Uh, Florida State also had its spring game this past Saturday. Florida State reported just over 30,000 fans at its spring game. So again, Oklahoma in 2018 and 2019 did better than that. Uh Auburn had its spring game this past week. I couldn't find an attendance on that. I only thing I found was some Auburn site said, quote, the attendance wasn't terrible, <laughs> which makes me think that it wasn't great either. So, I mean, I can't imagine Auburn got 50,000. I mean, like Oklahoma cuz if if they did, I feel like if they had a lot, it would have been reported. Uh, most SEC spring games are the same day as OU's the twenty third, and I've saved the last one, uh, or this this last team, <laughs> the last one for last. Yeah, I I, I don't talk much apparently. Uh, Texas A and M. I think you referenced Texas A and M. Yeah. Yeah. This is,
1: yeah I mean, this is shocking. I cannot. I like actually cannot believe that number.
0: I almost and, want to look what's the number? pictures now of what it looks what's like. What's the number they got? Twenty two thousand. Yeah. 22,000 fans at A&M spring game this past Saturday. Uh, that, I, you know, I was in A&M for a couple of years. I'll be honest, I don't even recall covering a spring game. I don't even think we cared about this. Eh, that that can't be true. We had to have covered it. But it says something that I don't even remember covering. I don't remember covering their spring game. But we had to have covered it. But I, I, I don't remember. That just tells you I don't remember much about that. I, I, rem- I remember the actual seasons, but... Uh, I couldn't tell you what they did spring game wise. It would have been the spring of 2015 and it would have been the spring of 2016 when I would have been there to cover it. And I, I can't remember anything about it. So that's wow. I have a terrible memory. Uh, it makes me, but I think, I mean, yeah. the obvious takeaway is that I think, OU
1: is, and like, I mean, I guess in the, you know, in the grand scheme of things, it doesn't matter at all. Like, I mean, I mean, presumably texas a&m has been outdrawing ou spring game like in, in perpetuity like all the time like i just would assume and so is nebraska and that hasn't done anything for them so um but i don't know i mean it seems like there's with those numbers it seems like pretty decent chance that ou is gonna is comparatively is gonna look pretty good here and like i said it doesn't matter it, it doesn't it doesn't matter it's it's just it's an exhibition game um but I don't know, it's just it's sort of an interesting thing, right? We're expecting way more OU fans for this one just because one the new regime has asked for it. And also, it's just it feels like the energy around the program is really great right now and you know, when the energy is great, you would think more fans would show up. But and that, that's why it's shocking to me because couldn't you say the same thing about Texas A&M right now? Coming off the best recruiting class ever in the history of college football and then coming off they had their best like Essentially had their best season in school history two years ago uh, against a terrible schedule, and they weren't really that good. But um, and then last year, you know, they were just Texas A&M last year. But you would think that the vibes around the Texas A&M program are great. And they only drew 22,000 unless it's
0: just not that big of a deal down there. Yeah, and that's that's why we're talking about this, because of the scenario oklahoma's in right now with everything brent venable's just really stressing hey we want the fans to be out there and that's why i went back and looked to say okay like what can we reasonably expect uh for this spring game because we're all we're, we all want it to be sold out I, that just doesn't seem very realistic but when you look back again at 2018 and 2019 before the pandemic and again you got to give credit to lincoln riley because lincoln riley was doing a lot to get people to go to the spring games it was working i mean uh, Again, 2018, a record crowd of 52,000 people. A year later, at you know a, a night game pushed up a day, they got 50,000. So who knows what they would have gotten in, in 2020 if he, if Oklahoma would have had a spring game? Maybe they would have gone 50,000 again. Maybe they would have gotten it up to I don't know, 55. You know, the first you know Spencer Rattler is going to be the starting quarterback. Hey, let's get excited about Spencer Rattler. So now you got the mixture of Brent Venables, this this whole change. Uh, people want to spite Lincoln Riley in a way, want to show, hey, this program's super healthy, a new quarterback, Dylan Gabriel, a new defense, some new pla I mean, there's all the ingredients are there. You got Baker, too. Oh, of course. You got the best quarterback in school history coming back as well to say what up, and he's going through a time where he will need as much support as possible, <laughs> considering what he's going through right now in his life, even though, let's be real, I mean. Yeah, I'd love to have his problems. Would love to
1: have his problems. And this, this is the reason why I, you know, I bring this up is that we're in this new era right here, OU is going to be going heads up against Texas A&M for guys that they want constantly in the recruiting cycle. Um, and the reality is A&M is going to have more resources, more money, more NIL stuff that they're going to be able to, to offer to recruits. OU is going to have to get any sort of advantage they possibly can. Um, and I'm not, like I'm saying, I'm not saying it's, it's going to be the deciding factor anywhere, but when that's the reality right now, yeah, it wouldn't be a terrible thing if OU had 80,000 at their spring game and Texas A&M only at 22,000. That would be that'd be pretty significant, especially because I mean, visually, I mean that's just that's just huge. I mean, that's that's a huge difference in, you know, in atmosphere and I don't know, human beings are emotional creatures and you you want you want any anything like that that is going to um that's going to be really heavy emotionally. You you, you want as much as that uh, as much of that as you possibly can get so i don't know i'm gonna be there i haven't bought my tickets yet i'm kind of like i'm hoping i'm hoping at some point in time we're gonna see something like up oh, you better buy your tickets because they're about to sell
0: out but we haven't seen anything
1: like that yet so
0: right that's yeah and, and brent venables among many other things in his uh passionate plea last friday venables said hey listen i like like i said in the opening take don't just show up when it's convenient show up all the time and Our job is to provide a good product and a team that you're proud of. And he said, this spring game, there's going to be recruits there. And we want to be able to to tell these recruits that are there that, hey, uh, look at this place in April. Look how electric it is Look how cool this is. Just imagine what it's going to be like in September and October and November. And that's another big part of it, of, of why Venables is saying, listen, you guys are important. You guys matter. You guys help this program just as much as we can. Everyone plays a part. And we've all kind of known that people that follow Oklahoma know that. Uh, just right now, it it just seems so much more imperative to get behind it, considering everything that's happened in the last five months. And you know, it just I know listening to Ted and Getty, uh, uh, Ted and Getty, Ted, Ted and Getty, Gabe and Teddy. I don't, see. Usually, I go Gabe and Teddy, but for some reason, I decided to start with Teddy, so I decided to go with Ted and Getty, which is not a thing. But uh, hearing those guys, one of their recent podcasts talking about it, they uh, yeah, it's not not a thing yet. Uh, you know, they're. They're kind of in the same way. They're they're challenging OU fans to be there. and They want you know people to show out. And uh, I I will say I was a little disappointed. I mean I think it was Gabe who was making it seem like you know it's it's kind of a burden for him to go to the spring game. He's like leaving a vacation to be there. My thought is well isn't that part of your job? Like why are you scheduling a vacation when the spring game's around there? Like isn't that kind of part of your gig is going uh, to the spring game? But they, uh, didn't, yeah.
1: they didn't announce the spring game like date until like two weeks ago, right? So I mean yeah that's true. Um, but no, I mean, obviously, right? Like that, um, that message, the, the Venables message about how, you know, like you're, you're part of the program too. And we like, that's obviously a message that is, that almost feels specifically tailored to someone like me. Right. Who is, who on this podcast has been very vocal about how fans, people, who listen. you guys are part of the program. This is your program too. Uh, because there are going to be a lot of players. There are going to be a lot of coaches that pass through here, but you're going to remain. So, I mean, it's, it's still your program. So, um, basically, what Bob Stoops, the Bob Stoops message after Riley left, right? Yeah, exactly, you, exactly. Yeah. And so, and I, and I think there's, you know, I think there's a lot of people who just who kind of feel maybe a natural aversion to that. Maybe some people who who feel maybe kind of like they're a rube if if they buy into that and they do it. And then, but I'll I kind I'll, I'll go back to the question I've asked a lot over the last four or five years since we have been doing this: Are sports important or are they not? And you know, I mean. <laughs> I obviously, I mean, I think they're very important, and so, if that's the case, if you find something important, make time for it. And, so, I mean, yeah, that's the, and of course, like, I'm not gonna be sitting here, I'm never gonna come on here and be like, what's wrong with you? Go to Norman, get to Norman. I I mean, you know, life is complicated. People have their own stuff going on, but I don't know, I've made the decision that it's an important thing in my life, and I'm gonna make time for it. So, um, I hope enough people make that decision as well, because this is, the conference we're about to go into, I can assure you there's a lot of people with means who, who feel very strongly about that and and absolutely have Alabama football or LSU football as part of their identity. And those are the people we're going to be going up against now. And so let, let your freak flag fly, man. Just do it. It's okay. It's
0: totally okay. College football is awesome. Embrace it. Just accept it. Final note on the spring game topic is that I feel a little bit better about this. So in 2015, Texas A&M, did not have a spring game because that's back when Kyle Field was being renovated. So, I don't feel as crazy. Uh, in 2016, though, they did have a spring game, and according to their website, about 27,000 people showed up. So, not not great. And uh, so remember, so and that's a that's a renovated Kyle Field as well. Okay, so yeah, maybe they've just never really
1: made it that big of a deal. Um, and the reality is, right, 2018, 2019, those oh, OU had over 50,000 fans there because I mean. Lincoln Riley and his staff they were pretty vocal about this is our big recruiting weekend now. Like we we need your guys' help because this like this is it. Like we're not doing any big, you know, big recruiting weekends during the season. This is what it is. Um, and I think that was probably kind, you know, that's a trend that has sort of caught on a little bit in college football. I think the, I think the spring game has been used more as a recruiting weekend and it's probably because of the change in the recruiting calendar would be my guess. As most coaches have been like, "Oh yeah, it just sort of makes sense that this is the big one." So, but man, but with some of these numbers, man, if OU can kind of take advantage of that, if OU can have a good show in here, maybe that's, and maybe it's fun. Maybe people have a good time and like kind of some new traditions can be built. And people are just like, gosh, man, had a lot of fun at that last year. And so I'm going to go again. And hopefully it just sort of turns into a, yeah, it just turns into a yearly thing.
0: All right. So the the big meat of the podcast today is going to be spent on a game that we, definitely didn't just create out of thin air 100% didn't just think of out of nowhere through some text messages nope this has been planned since uh since the beginning of the season beginning of the year beginning of spring practice we've been we've been uh you know we've had this on our docket we knew that this podcast is when we're going to bring this out and uh so this is completely totally above board not just made up out of out of whole cloth um the game is called with uh well uh, there's, there's a lot of different names for this game but we've settled on this one for the podcast uh, because this is a family-friendly podcast, uh, the game is called "Can't Miss, Can't Play." Yeah, all right, here we go. Can't miss or can't play. Here we go. We had s- you
1: had just y- you had numerous better names for this, but they're <laughs> they're not safe for work, as the kids would say. And so, if anyone's actually curious, you can like DM us or something. We'll tell you what they
0: actually were. No, just no, so much. No, better. we won't. If this no, was we won't. a we won't. No, we won't. We're not going. Oh, I will. I will. Okay. Well, maybe Grant will, but. Uh, I've, I have a family to think about. I don't know. <laughs> No, I don't. No, you don't. No, I
1: don't. <laughs> this is this podcast is PG. This is a PG podcast. But also, we live in an, in an R-rated world. That's just the reality. And uh, we, can of, we, we can, of course, laugh at, at some toilet humor as well.
0: And so everyone you know, listening to this podcast is thinking, Gu- guys, like, can't miss or can't play. What does that mean? What's this game about? please explain (laughs) here's the thing listener at home or in your car or at the gym (laughs) hopefully you're doing a lot of curls like brent venables was and he was recruiting jonah laulu uh, which is a great story if uh, you want to hear that story check out my uh, twitter at lee benson news 9 it's pretty funny Uh, okay so the rules of can't miss or can't play are very simple i'm going to name an oklahoma player on the roster and you decide by the time the 2022 season gets here if that player will be a can't-miss member of Oklahoma's team that's helping Oklahoma win, or, unfortunately, if that guy is a player that you just can't play. And uh, Thunder fans, old-time Thunder fans, will get this next reference. (laughs) If you're back in the, the days of Ennis Cantor, it reminds me of back whenever the Thunder lost in the playoffs to the Rockets, and I believe in 2017, and there was a nice cutaway to Billy Donovan, the ex-Thunder coach, and you could see him mouth very clearly, can't play Cantor, because <laughs> his defense was so bad. <laughs> uh, old Thunder fans will get that reference. I thought that was very funny. Uh, so Ennis Cantor, by the way, now his name is Ennis Cantor Freedom. He's changed his name. So much time has gone by. Very interesting. But we're, this, is not, this is not an NBA podcast. Uh, so this is going to be can't miss or can't play. And I've got five names. eh? Well, five names and some change for each side of the football. And we're gonna start with the offense. Oh, we're
1: gonna, and I, I mean, we're we're gonna throw out some more names during this too. <laughs> come on, like there,
0: there's gonna be more names that come to. Well, me. here's the thing: you can't do a name like Eric Gray. Like he's gonna play. Like I, I mean, the question is like how good he's gonna be. But I mean, we think he's gonna be good. It's like Eric Gray. Unless we're just what? Because I, like, I mean, what is it, like this? This is
1: just gonna turn into us naming a player and then we just reel off our hot takes <laughs> about him. That's like that's that's the
0: prompt for the well, bit. Yeah. This is that's all this is. Yeah, either going to be looking really bad in about six months or super, super smart. Lee, reigning Heisman Trophy winner Bryce Young. Uh, can't miss or can't play? <laughs> All right. Oh, Floor man. Is yours. That, is, that is... Okay, Okay, listen, okay? Now, hear me out here. Hear me out. I think Bryce Young can play, Grant. I think he can play. Now, I know he always talks about how he was doubted in high school, but I think the guy can play. Don't at me. Gosh. Just bring bring the heat bring the heat. All right. Who's our first player? All right. We're gonna start with the offense and the guy that we have not really talked much about. So we're gonna go deep down into the depths of the running back room. First name in can't miss or can't play is freshman running back Javante Barnes. Grant is he can't miss or can't play once the 2022 season gets here. We are. I mean, we're, we're starting out
1: pretty hot here. Um. I'm. I'm gonna say can't miss, um, and I don't know. It's it's hard. Like it's hard for me to actually talk about this take without uh, mentioning someone else who is also on your list here. Um, here's here, here's, here's what I'll say though. There's another guy in this list, and we kind of know plenty about him already because he's been on campus for a long time. This guy has not been on campus for a long time, and they only have three scholarship running backs. One of them we know is probably is is the number one guy, Eric Gray. And then there's this guy now, Javante Barnes. I think there's a pretty good chance by the end of the year, it's probably an Eric Gray, Javante Barnes kind of timeshare with with Eric Gray getting the most. So I, I'm, I'm going to say can't miss. I think he is going to be OU's second leading rusher this upcoming season.
0: And so, yeah, that's the the thing with running backs is because in a lot of ways, it's it's out of necessity. It's like, It's it's can't miss and has to be because there's not a whole lot of depth. And just so for the purposes of the podcast, I know I put this other guy on there later. Let's just do it in a tandem. The other guy you're talking about is Marcus Major. And I have Marcus Major on the list as well, because he's a player that uh, a lot of people have had high hopes for ever since he came to Oklahoma from Millwood High School. But he just has never been able to find a good footing at Oklahoma. I mean, his best game is still a mixture between the Texas game from 2020 and the Cotton Bowl. And then I want to say he looked decent in the, the bowl game this past year in limited reps. So it's kind of late in the year. He plays well, and granted, he didn't get to play much last season because uh, reportedly academics. He had some academic issues, and he wasn't eligible. So Marcus Major's is a guy where finally, hey, if he's able to play, will he be able to be that number two running back behind Eric Gray? Will he be able to be, heck, even a number three running back? Because he hasn't even been able to do that yet at Oklahoma and when it comes to Marcus Major I think just based on what we know and his track record it's unfortunate but you got to say can't play with Marcus Major and for Javante Barnes it's a lot of unknown with him because he's a freshman and sometimes the unknown you just give him the benefit of the doubt because you want to be positive and he's a highly decently highly recruited guy and he's an early enrollee so you get a little bonus points for that and so I'm with you I say Javante Barnes is a, is a can't miss uh, a lot of it out of necessity and a lot of it because I like his size I mean, he's. Six foot, six one, a little over 200 pounds. Uh, don't know much about him yet, but, uh, you know, it's, it's as of now, I'd say can't miss, again, out of necessity, because as you mentioned astutely, there's not many scholarship guys on this roster. It's Gray, Barnes, Marcus Major, and then mid year or mid summer or whatever, uh, Gavin Sachuk is going to enroll, the, another true freshman who I liked his tape. I mean, he's from Colorado, though, and, and I don't know how, how uh, good kids yeah, from Colorado I like Sachuk a lot. I think he's. I like
1: Sachuk, and like, I mean, big, big grain of salt here because it's high school tape, and we're not, you know, I, I'm not super qualified to. But I, I, I thought Sachuk looked more explosive, looked looked bigger on tape than Javante Barnes. Well, the did.
0: thing with Barnes um, is there's not a whole lot of tape on him that I could find. That's true. Yeah, that is true. I think he did a lot of. I mean, I guess he did a lot of his damage maybe in camps or I, I don't know. I mean. Uh, because I couldn't find a whole lot of huddle or whatever rivals video of him in high school. So there's a lot of unknown with the guy, so it's kind of a leap of faith. And you might say, eh, it's not fair. I mean, you know a lot more about Marcus Major. Why don't you say he's can't, can't miss? And there could be an argument to that. But so far at Oklahoma, he's been a can't play. And so for him to all of a sudden become a can't miss, certainly it's possible, and we hope it, we hope it happens. But based on the evidence so far, I think the, the, the favorite... Or the money should be on him. Unfortunately, being a can't play again. And like, correct me if I'm wrong here, Lee, but this is this is about to be
1: Marcus Major's, I think, fifth season on campus at OU. It's his fourth or fifth for sure. Yeah, fourth or fifth for sure. Um, I, you know, just historically, and hey, I hope I'm wrong. I, I'm the fr- like Marcus Major last year when I saw him in person, he uh, he looked the part. Uh, he his size was was noticeable. And, like, so obviously I hope finally this guy with a regime change, with a scheme change, can finally make an impact. It's just, I, generally speaking, right, in college football and just in football at, at, at a high level in general, if you're a running back, man, and you're it's four or five years down the line, you still haven't made an impact, it's not going to happen.
0: This is his fourth Period. year. This is his fourth year on campus. His first year at OU was 2019 when he redshirted. All right, so the two running backs, Javante Barnes and Marcus Major, the first two players we've assessed and how wide receiver i believe he's technically i could look at the roster i don't know if he's a sophomore or if he technically redshirted last year probably redshirted let me say let me check ah uh, come on lee find him find him redshirt freshman cody jackson redshirt freshman cody jackson grant can't miss or can't play well, the binary nature of this kind of
1: definitely sounds hard. It's gonna make it sound, but yeah, I mean, this is a this is a can't play situation, I think, and it's not because I think Cody Jackson is like is bad or anything. I just think there's there's a lot. Of, I think OU is is better off at the wide receiver position than a lot of people are kind of giving them credit for. Um, for instance, like their top four right now is is really salty. It's it's really good. We know who Marvin Mims is. We know who Theo Wees is. It sounds like Jalil Farouk has kind of taken over that third receiver role. And then Drake Stoops is still there and everyone everyone knows and loves him.
0: We know it is. Yeah, we, we know, know what he is. is.
1: And then and then, you know, I you know Braden Willis is going to be that other pass catcher, you know, in that equation as well. And then after that, you got you got guys like you know, Trevon West and Brian Darby who have just who have just been around longer and have played more ball than Cody Jackson has. And when Trayvon West and Brian Darby have been out there, they've been thoroughly fine. I mean, they have been—they have not done anything where you're just like, oh, God, those guys cannot see the field. They've been pretty decent. I mean, they've been pretty good. And I know Cody Jackson was dealing with kind of some injury stuff last year, some health stuff last year. Um, but he just may be, you know, unless he takes a massive step in the offseason, maybe in strength and conditioning gets a lot bigger, or he's just kind of a sleeping giant who is going to make a, is, is a huge impact player, I think he's kind of a numbers casualty at this
0: point in time i don't i don't think we're gonna see a lot out of him yeah odds are that he's a camp play as well and, and that's for all the reasons you said it's unfortunately injuries pushed his development back i mean you look back at 2021 only played in two games caught five passes 45 yards i think mostly in garbage time but i think he had he might have caught a couple well actually i'm looking at his numbers now uh three of his catches were against western carolina so you know okay Uh, but yeah he's he was relatively highly recruited he's a four-star player and a a player that we were like wondering hey what's this guy going to be in 2021 and then he can't play anymore you know because he got injured so uh, and now you mentioned you know west and darby and now you throw in a couple freshmen coming in uh, with with anderson and gibson and sure jackson has a head start on those guys but uh, you know who knows how much He's had to rehab for whatever his injury was. I can't necessarily remember if it was lower body or upper body. I can't remember what it was. But uh, I think it was uh, Gabe and Teddy that they were talking about. They, they did a wide receiver preview, and they mentioned the top four guys, as you did. And so it, it's, it, it comes down to, I mean, when it comes to Cody Jackson, Trayvon West, Brian Darby, uh, Gibson, Nick Anderson, I mean, you got to be able to do something to where you're warranted to, you're warranted to be on the field above a Drake Stoops, a Theo Weiss, a Marvin Mims, a Jaleel Farouk, and I mean, we, those top four players, we like a lot, and again, I know I'm referencing Gabe and Teddy a lot, because uh, I mean, those guys have a lot of good info, and they're inside the program, I believe they said that they thought that Jaleel Farouk has the highest ceiling of all the receivers, so, and he's kind of the more, the most unknown of those top four, so if that's how good that group is, and that's,
1: that's consistent with stuff that you know, that we heard late in mm-hmm. the season, too, that he was kind of making his move. And, and I, know, I, mean, I know it's just a handful of plays in a bowl game, but Jalil Farouk was a guy in that bowl game on TV, mind you, looked like he stood out physically amongst pretty much everyone on the field. And that, that includes the guys on Oregon. He looked like he was just playing a different game than yeah, some of just... those guys physically. Um, so, yeah, it's like you're it's, Cody Jackson has been put in a position where he's forced to be dynamic, to force himself onto the field. And I uh, you know, he's it just it just kind of sounds like the Jalil Farouk has been that guy from that recruiting class. Is the guy who who is who has kind of emerged and he's he's been healthier. It just sounds like he's been the one who has emerged as more of a dynamic player. Whereas with Mims and Weiss and Stoops and and Braden Willis to some extent, are already there, and a guy like Cody Jackson is going to have to be demonstrably better than those four guys to get on the field anyway. And I think, you know, it's a a numbers game right now. It just didn't work out. It wouldn't no inside knowledge here. I don't, I don't, I, you know, I'm not inside Cody Jackson's head, but I look at a guy like Cody Jackson and he seems to, especially in this era of, of being able to transfer whenever you want. He seems like a guy I'm wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't spend four or five years at OU. Wouldn't surprise.
0: All right. So Cody Jackson, you and I are on the same page. Can't play. And we are up for the most part on the same page with Javante Barnes and um, Marcus major. Moving on. So you've talked about Braden Willis a couple of times, brought him up as a pass catcher. Let's stick with that position group and play can't miss or can't play with a couple of brand new tight ends. We're going to do two players because I feel like doing one or the other would be unfair. They're kind of a package deal because they're both brand new. Caden Helms and Jason Llewellyn. Grant, can't miss or can't play? And you can split them up however you'd like. So we're we're only thinking about like the 2022 season here. Oh yeah, yep. Don't don't be breaking any of the rules in this incredible groundbreaking game.
1: Okay, well I mean I'll I'll split them up here. I'll I'll go with I'll go with can't miss for Caden Helms, and I'll go with can't play for Jason Llewellyn. But I mean, there's you know I mean there's there's nuance to it. Like for instance, I think I think Jason Llewellyn. There's a lot of reports early that he you know he's a guy who blocks really well. He came in physically already really impressive. And I just, I mean, this happens a lot with guys of his size and guys of his athletic pedigree. That dude's going to be an offensive tackle. I, I mean, like, I just, I don't like, I'm kind of calling my shot with that, but I, I don't think he plays tight end. I like, I, he's, he's going to be a left tackle or a right tackle. Um, and so I think typically that uh, takes two or three years for that transformation to be complete. Um, so that's what I think is going to happen with Jason Llewell. And Caden Helms, I've already said, like, I have pretty high expectations for Caden Helms. Um, I think there's a pretty good chance that we see him this year at some point in time, just because I think he is, like, I, you know, Willis and Daniel Parker Jr., I think are going to be the guys that we see the most at that tight end position. But those two guys are really different in the sense where Parker is more of a blocker. Um, Willis is kind of more of a hybrid between those two. I think Willis is a much better receiver than he is blocker. But Caden Helms is is that guy just catches passes. That's that's what he's that's what he's there to do, and I mean I've already seen him in pads and at practice, and he he looks the part. He he does look like a big receiver right now, and he very obviously I think needs to put on some some weight, put on some more size if he's going to be like in line and closer to the line of scrimmage as a tight end. But he's a guy right now that that can match up with college linebackers right now, probably by the looks of his size right now. I just it wouldn't surprise me if we see Caden Helms kind of like in an Austin Stogner type role that we saw him in as a true freshman, see him in the red zone as like a matchup person. So yeah, like I basically I'm gonna say can't miss for Caden Helms because I think he's gonna score touchdowns this year. A touchdown, at least at touchdown.
0: And I don't think Jason Llewellyn's gonna play at all this year. Good stuff. Uh, I'll just say as far as Helms go, and I, I tend to agree with you. If we're talking 2022, I'm, I'm sticking with the same as you said. I'm you know, I, I definitely a little higher on Helms playing, uh, and Llewellyn is more of a you know can't-play kind of guy. Uh, but you calling the shot of him moving to offensive line is quite the hot take. Uh, I mean, he's a, he's a rival's four-star tight end. He's a big dude. He's, he's 6'5", 260, but I've never really seen him run. I'm curious, if he can, if he can move at that size – I mean, maybe he could, he could you know, slim down a little bit more. And if he can move, I mean, that's the kind of big-time body type you like of the big Gronk-type tight ends, man, like 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, like, I don't know what Gronk is. I am mean, gonna guess he's probably, in his heyday, 240, 250, maybe even more. Uh, I mean, if Llewellyn's a guy that's like struggling to keep his weight down and he's actually more comfortable putting more pounds on to get closer to what an offensive tackle would be, okay, then I get that. But I don't know if that's the case with him. Uh, and by the way i'll I'll say this about Caden Helms. uh sources sources say that i i yeah, that he uh caught a touchdown pass and team from uh one Ralph Rucker as the twos are out there, so he was running with the twos i've heard maybe I saw it i don't know who knows but uh yeah uh, Caden Helms catching touchdowns might be a thing uh, but he's definitely a, a different body type than Llewellyn as far as uh girth i mean he's goes about two twenty 220, two twenty five so i mean Llewellyn's got him by about 40 pounds, but they're about the same height. And, and you're right, though. Whenever I, I think I mentioned it last episode or two episodes ago, when I saw number 18 on the practice field, I immediately thought, oh, another Austin Stogner's out there. And like, oh, yeah, that's right. He's gone. It was Caden Helms. So, uh, I mean, Helms looked big, even though his, you know, his weight's not, you know, not 250, not 260. Yeah, no, yeah. Caden Helms is the size of a big receiver. Like, Caden Helms is kind of where
1: you want uh, Jaden Gibson to be. Like, that's kind of where he is right now. Um, but of course, I mean, you're Caden Helms, you want him to be able to block and stuff like that. And whereas as a freshman, he's probably just going to be more of a mismatch in the passing game situationally. Um, Llewellyn, I, you know, I mean, man, 6'5, 260 is a guy who should still be in high school right now. That dude's an offensive lineman. You can't really, like, I, I mean, I, that's ma- 6'5, 260 for a tight end already, just as a senior in high school is massive. That is so big for a tight end. I, I'm, uh, yeah and and so Gronk, right like I, I think you kind of have to
0: weigh Gronk goes about 260 265 but it's so but the Gronk, Gronk, size is also,
1: Gronk. Gronk is also Gronk is as, also as athletic as wide receivers though like that's kind of sure where it, sure
0: and I and I haven't seen Llewellyn I, I didn't watch his tape so I, I don't know what he looks like athletically I'm not gonna I'm not comparing him to Rob Gronkowski I'm just saying well I, I am in sense of his size I mean it, they're about the same size because like is you know what if right cuz like
1: if jason wellens is going to be a tight end he's going to have to basically just kind of stay at that weight at the 65 260 his entire time here um and i think you definitely have to weigh like gosh i mean if you can if you can maybe put 30 to 40 pounds on this guy and then and now he's a 65 300 pound tackle who is who has the athleticism of a tight end now you're talking about elite athleticism on the edge blocking as a tackle
0: in that sense yeah i'm Whereas, not an expert on how how possible or how uh, probable it is or i'm using the wrong words how how realistic it is for a guy like that to put on that much weight and still be you know as athletic as you think he, he could be is that normal i guess i don't i, I guys I, that's are, the thing about guys football, at ou in the past know.
1: i mean yeah man you see i mean you see offensive linemen recruits all the time who are smaller than this guy going into their freshman year of college um like especially more than 260 yeah I mean, it's it's not like you're not going to see that like in the Rivals 250 or anything like that, but like Project Guys for sure, definitely. Well, well yeah, but Bill Bedenbo not starting any Project Guys at tackle at Oklahoma. Though. But I, I mean, there's guy. I mean, guys off the top of my head, and I mean we're we're stretching back now a little bit longer. It's all of a sudden 2022, but I mean, Brody Eldridge, Lane Johnson, are guys that come to my head immediately that OU has had in the past that are exactly like that. And Llewellyn probably is bigger than
0: both of those guys coming in. Yeah, and Lane Johnson goes on to be, what, an all-pro? Uh, Number three overall Offensive pick? lineman, yeah. All right. I have one more name on the offensive side of the ball, and then if we have any other people on offense we want to talk about that's on your mind, we will. But the, the last guy I definitely want to hit on, it's, it's interesting. He, uh, he talked uh, last week after our podcast. He opened up quite a bit and the hope is that things are better moving forward can't miss or can't play offensive tackle wanya morris grant can't miss or can't play
1: this one's tough right because i you know i bought into the hype last year right i thought you know i 100 expected wanya to come in here and be a a big time contributor and he, he was the opposite of that he just he kind of got i'm not gonna say he got buried on the depth chart because i think he was he was second on the depth chart pretty much the entire season and he got in sort of in spot play and w- you know when he was needed like with you know i you know, i think anton harrison at times kind of went down every now and then sometimes and he would step in like against tcu i think he played a little bit um i'm gonna i'm gonna go with can't miss on this one lee i think i i think we're we're gonna see a wanye morris resurgence this year Um, and I think I this is this is more of just this kind of more buys into I'm just feeling really bullish about the offensive line I think the offensive line is going to be a lot better this year than it was last year Um, and I think it's I think it's because I you know they got three I think really solid options right now that are going to be battling it out at the tackle positions uh, with Harrison Wanye and and Savion Bird as well Um, and I think you know Wanye is a guy who he has the pedigree. I mean, he was a highly, highly recruited guy, played a lot of football at Tennessee. He's a guy, even, you know, I think when I watched him last year, he moves pretty well. He's an athletic guy. I think it was just sort of the thing that was disappointing last year, he didn't he didn't look very big, right? It looked like he could he he could get stronger. Um, and I don't think that's gonna be a problem. So I think this is definitely a little hot takey for sure, because I think you're going on faith with a lot of this. But I think Wanye Morris, who is a good player as a true freshman in the SEC, was a good player as a sophomore in the SEC, um, with a little bit more structure, a coaching staff that is a little more engaged, a coach, head coach who doesn't have a foot his foot out the door already. Um, I think uh, I think structure and a new strength uh, regimen is probably going to do him, him him a lot of good. Um, so I think I'm I'm, I'm I, I think Juanye is going to be a, a big time guy this season. Not necessarily calling my shot for him. Uh, to start at one of those tackle positions, uh, but I think he's going to be a guy that we see a lot of, kind of like a la Cody Ford, you know, when he was the sixth kind of swing offensive lineman.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go with Can't Miss as well, and it's it's just because it, it's all it's based off of faith, and we heard him talk. He he opened up to us last week, and he said after the bowl game, after the uh, Alamo Bowl, is Alamo Bowl right? That's what they played in. I was there. I should not remember. Uh, it's just. Uh, in san antonio he said he and his mom were in the car and they kind of had a a real serious talk and one thing that stood out to to me and i think it stood out to a lot of us media guys listening to him he said you know i i just realized i was tired of people telling me how good i could be and i decided that i need to actually be there and get there and be good Uh, because we were all hoping that he'd be something and he just wasn't living up to the hype and so he said he made a lot of changes in his life. He didn't get really into details with it, but everything I've heard so far about Juan De Morris in the spring has been positive. I don't know if he's a guy, though, that's, that's really pressing for a starting job right now. Uh, I mean, he's definitely in the running, don't get me wrong, uh, but I don't, I don't know if he's can't-miss day-one starter at the moment. So he still has some work to do, but he's a definitely a player where, uh, in playing this incredible game that the fans love called can't-miss or can't-play, uh i'm gonna go can't miss on Wanye. what else did you want to add
1: yeah i mean i i think him you know maybe not immediately being like a you know break down the door starter i think that says probably more about Savion bird who is who has kind of been one of the stars of the spring that everyone is kind of gushing about um i mean it's, that's awesome that that's uh, i'm you know super excited about that but uh no i think uh you know Lots of, you know, there's definitely reason out there to sleep on Wanye if you're, if you're taking 2021 into account. Uh, but here, we're
0: saying don't do that. I, I, think, he, I think he's going to be a really valuable player this year. Also, Tyler Guyton might be somebody that is a thing, just from what I've heard and what I've uh, seen a little bit I'm of Glad practice. you brought
1: him I, I'm just, Yeah, I'm feeling really bullish about the offensive line. I, I, think, they've, I think they've improved athletically there. Um, talking about Guyton, and um, I just think bringing in Jerry Schmidt, it uh, is is really important there. Um, go and listen to Gabe and Teddy's podcast. Kind of when they started the winter workouts with Jerry Schmidt, I mean, one of the the immediate takeaways was that the offensive line physically was not where they needed to be. And I don't think that's a surprise to anyone who watched them. Um, and you know, I'm 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 kind of you know I, I I sometimes get irritated when people talk about the offensive line because you know when people talk about a bad offensive line at Oklahoma, I mean, we're we're talking about like extreme relativity here. Because you know it's the offensive line has been bad yeah. by Oklahoma standards, but it's still absolutely been a good college football offensive line. Like I've I've seen bad offensive lines, and it's just it OU's just, it ha, it has not been that the last two or three years.
0: Yeah, and speaking of Schmitty, one theme that we've heard from all the players, whether it's offensive players or defensive players, when we get a chance to talk to them this spring, is that uh, a big difference so far in the workouts with Schmitty. And I believe it was Jordan Kelly that really hammered this home the other day. The defensive lineman, he said that uh, you know we're we're moving a lot, moving a lot more weight. Uh, and actually, I think it might have been Jonah L- Laulu who said that as well. Which I guess he doesn't have any context for how the the strength training was before Schmitty. But oh, uh, dudes, uh, dudes talk, dudes talk. Like well, I'm sure I'm I'm yeah. sure he's been I'm sure
1: he's been very well briefed by by everyone else of how it was.
0: Yeah. So it sounds like they're moving a lot more weight around than than maybe they used to. Okay, that's all of the names I have for the offensive side of the ball. Any other players that you want to throw out there to play this award-winning game called can't miss or can't play?
1: Ah, I kind of want to throw out Micah Bowens. Um, I and, it, and like in, in a private conversation that we had yesterday, I, you know, I kind of one my hot, I, I think Micah Bowens is going to be the backup this upcoming season. Um, that's it's it's a hot take. It's a total hot take. Um, but I don't know what it, like what do
0: you think about that? Uh, Micah Bowens can't play Uh, i do not think he's gonna be the backup i think the backup's gonna be ralph rucker uh and it's mainly it's it's based off of two things one as far from what i've heard so far in spring ralph rucker's qb2 right now and also last year ralph rucker was a surprise third string quarterback behind rattler and caleb williams uh some walk-on guy so he obviously beat out bowens last year and uh the uh i mean the other walk-on player that I should remember from Carl Albert high school who Ben Harris, who I don't think lost, maybe lost one game in his high school career, uh, Oklahoma high school football stuff there. So, uh, yeah, that's, I, I, so yeah, um, that is a pretty hot take by you. And, uh, you know, that's what we're here for. We're here for hot takes. So why do you think, uh, why do you think can't miss should go underneath Micah Bowens, name? Well, I mean, because I think he's going to be the backup and it's, it mostly just stems oh, all
1: right. from, it mostly just stems from, um, Dylan Gabriel gets hurt. I mean, this the offense is screwed. I, I mean, I I how else can you say it? Um, and so, I, and you know, Jeff Lebby is a guy who who wants to run the ball more than he throws the ball. You know, historically, if you if you kind of look at his breakdown, I think Ole Miss last year was like a 57 percent run the ball you know team of the time, something like that. Um, and so, to me, it just kind of makes sense. You put Micah Bowens back there, a guy who can run, and you can run zone read with him can't do that with with anyone else on the roster well, ralph
0: rucker runs a well ralph rucker runs a four three didn't hear that
1: that's that's news to 4-3-1. me you're, you're breaking yeah. news here yeah
0: oh yeah no and i i, I also heard that in, in high school he ran the triple option no actually no it was the wing t he uh he's he's from 2000s minnesota high school football he ran the the flex bone and the wing t okay this is this is super deep um yeah okay that's a decent that's a decent thought about bowens uh if if yeah, and also okay. he's the only other guy
1: on the camp I guess Rucker has been there for what a little over a year now if you take you know last spring into consideration as well but Bowens is this is his third year on a college campus as a scholarship player I don't know and you know the early returns on Nick Evers right now are not great but I mean he's he's like 17 he should still be in high school that's not a huge surprise um and I don't know. I still just kind of, and maybe, hey, maybe this is me just not not respecting the walk on enough. And I just I think it's probably more likely that a scholarship quarterback is going to be your backup. But I think there's a I non-zero mean, chance they go and get some. They go and get someone to be the backup to who's who's on scholarship, in, in the in, in the I mean, transfer
0: portal. Grant, people forget. Okay, people forget Baker Mayfield was a walk on. Okay, people forget that. <laughs> How dare you! Not give credit to walk-on players. Oh, was, what a dumb thing. He
1: was a walk-on who, like, who, who was the Big Everyone Twelve Freshman
0: walk-on. of the Year at Texas
1: Tech. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, okay, let's go to the defensive side. And can't miss or can't play. I think this is gonna. There's, there's, there's probably some more interesting discussions to be had of this list of people. I, I almost wanted
0: to put the entire defense on this list because there's can, so many you guys. Can.
1: Is Caleb Kelly still on the team? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, you know what? He's yeah, not. he plays joke, his role. Everyone. He plays his role as part of the Soul Mission Group. He, uh, he's helping the guys out. Uh, him and uh, Josh Norman and Curtis Lofton, and I'm probably f- forgetting other players. By the way, uh, you know what's really cool? It's cool that Phil Lodholtz, uh an analyst, he's back. I mean, big yeah, old no, Phil's I back. Think
1: I, I think I mentioned that on the podcast. That's, that's, uh,
0: that's good stuff. Wow, back. Yeah, I
1: love, love f- uh, I love Phil. Fellow Minnesotan Phil Lotholtz
0: fellow minnesotan and i I love phil loatholt because him and i have something very uh, much in common we both played in the kansas jayhawk community college conference (laughs) that's right he played his community college football at garden city i played my community college baseball at dodge city so obviously we're like blood brothers at this point so uh you know it's just it's it's a fraternity no big deal don't don't worry about it uh all right so defensively And can't miss, can't play. We're going to start in the secondary. And actually, we have a lot of guys in the secondary to talk about. First one's pretty fun. I think pretty interesting. And we talked to this guy yesterday, Jaden Davis, cornerback Jaden Davis. Can't miss or can't play, Grant? Gosh, this one's hard. Like,
1: this is where it's just like, I I get, I don't want to be mean to anyone. I don't want to be be mean. Like, I like Jaden Davis. Like, Jaden Davis has been a dude. I mean, he he was playing like significant minutes like day one on campus. I mean, he he played a lot in that opener against Houston when he was a freshman. Has has mostly been a really valuable kind of swing guy for OU, and it was last year where he was he was kind of asked to take on a bigger role and he got got exposed a little bit. Um, now he got exposed. It seems like he was getting exposed majority of the time last year when OU was going through that stretch where. Not only was it the players who couldn't figure it out on the field, but I mean just Alex Grinch and his staff just could not figure out how to get guys off the field during that stretch. They just couldn't do it. Um and so now you got Jaden Davis where it seems like to me, which is kind of ironic because I think, you know, the secondary was probably the the most problematic position group on on the team last season. Um Seems like there's a lot of bodies in the secondary and actually a lot of decent options as well. We do this every single year.
0: I every know every year of the secondary, we get excited. I know.
1: <laughs> but like and you got uh. you got Jaden Davis here who I mean he's just guys played a ton of snaps in college. And so it's like I don't I don't want to devalue that because you got a new staff here, and of course they're gonna lean on guys who have played a lot of snaps. But you know that this this they don't want Jaden Davis to be one of their guys how can they like
0: they they there's no way they they want that i don't know if they if they even know yet i if i'm gonna say can't miss and here's the thing if Jaden davis is as good on the field as he is in supporting his teammates he's gonna be an all-american this guy is the every time he talks man he is the nicest dude he he loves his teammates he pumps up everybody and it's 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 noticeable i mean like i'm talking about like i mean Everyone's nice to their teammates, but he just, he goes out of his way, man. He, he's such a good guy, and you want, and it, this is, it's kind of hacky. It's kind of hacky as a guy that covers a team. you want guys like that to succeed because he's such a nice dude. He's a great team guy, and he's always been that. And so you're banking on Jaden Davis getting in here and being a veteran player, and the new staff, Javali, the new defense, hopefully putting players in better positions to succeed, you hope that as a veteran player that clicks maybe quicker than it does with some other guys and he plays really well and i don't know if he's going to be the starter uh, it's it's going to be difficult to beat out woody washington which woody washington is entrenched he woody washington has gotten so many positive reviews from everybody uh, i mean he was one of the he was like the first guy that brent venables brought up whenever he was asked about leaders of the team uh so woody washington is is that guy right now and he's he's trying to become you know go from being good to being a dude Yeah, kind of so like woody there. woody right now
1: Based on just kind of what it looks like from the spring outside looking in, he's seen, he's he's the leader of the
0: defense right now. Is what that is what that kind of feels like. That's yeah, that's that's what it sounds like. So so really, it's you know, is DJ Graham going to be that guy takes a jump? I mean, physically, he's the guy you want out there. He's a big, tall, lanky guy. He's smart. Uh, he's a you know, again, he's a former wide receiver, so he, he in theory he should be pretty smart, understand? And hopefully now, again, with Jay Volai there, really hammering in attention to detail. You hope a player like DJ Graham can take that jump and be a really good starter across from Woody Washington. So you know where does Jaden Davis fit in? Uh, obviously, you need multiple bodies, so he's going to play snaps. Uh, the question is, you know, will he do enough to warrant more snaps? But you know, in in this this uh, like this, this game that is just sweeping the country, can't miss or can't play. I'm going to go with with can't miss just because I'm I'm betting on Jaden Davis to figure it out going into I believe his fourth year in the program. And I don't think I, it's it's not a bad bet on your part
1: just because I mean, yeah, you got, you got, you have a fourth year defensive back corner who has played a lot of snaps. It's like, yeah, I mean, you, a lot of the times you're not going to make a, you know, a lot of the same mistakes that you made as a freshman and a sophomore. Just, it seems like with with Jaden last year, right? A lot of the, the quote unquote mistakes he made were of the physical nature. He's just getting beat. He's just getting beat by guys who are better than them. It seemed like a lot of the time. And so I hope, um, you know, he, he, he can have, he can have a much better season. We're going to see him. Obviously. I think we're going to see him over the course of the year. I, I just, I don't know if he's going to, if he's, if you he can pencil him in as a, as kind of like a, you know, an impact player right now,
0: but also All right, next but like, up,
1: he seems like a dude who just loves OU. And like, I, I'm always rooting for guys who, who, who love OU want to be there. And, um, so he's a good sooner. He's a great sooner.
0: Yeah, no, he is. He, he really is. Uh, Real easy guy to root for. Next up, uh, very similar to the Caden Helms, Jason Llewellyn offensive topic. We're going to do a defensive, uh, actually a trio, a trio of linebackers, a trio of brand new linebackers who have uh, have done a good job to get on campus for spring ball. They were able to get out of high school and, and get onto OU's campus in time to make sure they don't miss anything. That is true freshman linebackers, Kip Lewis, Kobe McKenzie, and Jaron canic can't miss or can't play and need i remind you the linebacker position even though it's got guys like david of and deshaun white and uh even to some extent danny stutzman who played a decent amount last year and i'm probably forgetting somebody as well uh that's played decent amount of snaps brent venables did tell us a couple weeks ago that he classifies the linebacker group as not much experience <laughs> so uh anyways go ahead what do you think Uh, You can go piecemeal with these guys. I think i do not have to
1: go piecemeal. They're all can't play. I don't think, I don't think a single one of these guys is going to play outside of like, you know, garbage time and those, you know, and and they're allotted four games for redshirt. I don't think these guys are going to play snap this year. I don't think they're going to play. I don't think. And that, that includes Jaron Kanik, who I think uh, is arguably the the best player in there and, and the 2022 class coming in. Um, I don't think any of the guys are going to play a snap and it has just everything to do with <laughs> there's, there's a lot of seniority and experience right now in the linebacker room. There, there actually is. I'm including, I'm including TD roof in there as well.
0: Yeah, that's true. Um, see, this is different. I, I'm just so enamored with Jaron Canick. Uh, and maybe it's just because of all the, the, his story i coming to OU and just being such a Brent Venables guy. That's kind of clouding my judgment. But I would tend to lean towards Jaron Canick being a can't miss even this year, and a lot of it goes. And, and I just don't know. I don't know much about Kip Lewis and Kobe McKenzie. I didn't love Kobe McKenzie's high school tape. Not an expert. Didn't love it. Kip Lewis liked it a little bit more, but he he seems a little slight of frame for college. Looks he puts put some weight on. Uh, but you know that that's kind of my thoughts on those two guys. Canick looks a little bit more ready just physically, and again just his. His story to get there because he wanted to play for Brent Venables so badly. And again, I just I can't get past Venables seemingly just ignoring the fact that David Ogwébu and Deshaun White's played a ton of snaps and still saying, "Hey, our depth and our our depth at linebacker is not great," which kind of tells me that it's anybody's it's anybody's job. Anybody any, any of the starting spots are open. That's kind of the way I I read into that. And if Kanick physically can come in here and you know everyone's learning this, the defense at the same rate. I mean, it's the it's a new defense. If he's as good as kind of we all think he is, maybe he can sneak up on some even some of these veteran players and find his way to to play a lot of snaps this year.
1: And if that happens, that would be fascinating, obviously, just for what it says about the guys in the room currently, and then also what it says about the previous staff, Tbh. Um, but I I don't I don't see that. I I think you know injuries notwithstanding, I think I think it's gonna be Deshaun White Stutz. Igwebu and, and TD Roof those are going to be the four guys that we see just a vast majority of over the course of the year and I, I you know I think we're gonna I and I don't know like all of this is a guess at this point I just I think there's probably only gonna be two linebackers on the field most of the time anyway and I think it's usually probably gonna be Deshaun White and Danny Stutzman but that's that's my guess at this point in time
0: no yeah that's that's certainly the heavy favorite I think you're you're onto something there with that Let's go back to. Actually, you know what? I'm going to skip around on our rundown and go to the, the bottom of it because I want to go to this guy next. And uh, let's go to the defensive line. Eh, defensive line slash outside linebacker. Another player that we talked to yesterday. Uh, and this is a player that's been in the program a long time. And I want to make sure I get his, his year correct. He's a senior this year. And can't miss or He's can't same play? Same year as Jaden Davis. Be
1: really? Same class. They they both made their debut against Houston in two thousand and nineteen
0: in that season opening game. Man, for some reason, okay, so the guy we're talking about is Marcus Stripling. For some reason I was thinking that he was he was actually around in twenty eighteen. For some I, I could have swore I remembered him playing think against you, like you might be you might
1: be confusing him with Ronnie Perkins, who was a freshman in 2018. No,
0: you know, know who I'm you know who I'm uh confusing him with? I'm confusing him with another linebacker. Who's the guy? Uh, what he, he's on the team anymore. I'll go back and find it. I'll, I'll let you know. Addison right? Gums, huh? <laughs> Again, we're I'm going back with to Addison, Addison Gums. Gums. Ad, yes, Addison Gums. No, uh I'll 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 figure it out. It's a guy that I liked a lot back in the day that just never kind of panned out. Very similar to so far with Stripling's career. Uh so can't miss or can't play Marcus Stripling in a brand new defense. What do you think? Uh
1: I mean this is this is a tough one. I mean cuz I'm rooting for I I like Marcus Stripling. He's like one of those guys, right, where it's just he's I think he had he had a sack in his in his opening game in his career against Houston in that game. It seems like he always had that over the course of that 2019 season. I feel like he's that's the season he's gotten the most playing time ironically enough. He he kind of flashed like a really a, a really high motor. I you know his size has always just been he's kind of a tweener, right? And it's just it's always tough to Like he's maybe not quick enough, doesn't have as much of a get off to play that outside linebacker position that Benito played, but he's also not big enough to put his hand in the dirt and be just like a traditional defensive end, which is sort of what Venables' scheme calls for is like that traditional, you know, defensive end. I I like stripling because I just, I like his motor so much and he plays so hard. And when he's out there, he's never been a guy where you watch him and he's just like, oh God, that guy's getting his butt kicked and he's just not of any value at all. Or he's just not of any value at all. And so like I, you know, I lean towards if if I gotta pick one or the other, I, I lean towards can't play um just because I'm having a hard time envisioning him just physically where he fits in. But man, I, I hope I hope he can make an impact this year. That would be awesome. Cause he's he, he's a guy who in in my I mean this is his fourth year, about to start his fourth year at OU. He's a guy who's never been a starter, has never been a guy who gets a ton of playing time, and he's still here. And I respect that. I respect it. That means he means he loves OU and he wants to be here. So I'm gonna say can't I'm gonna say can't play he does. just he's based off guy. of and that's mostly just because I think I think guys like Reggie Grimes and Ethan Downs are gonna play a lot this year and be really good. And you know, they didn't they didn't get Jonah Laulu out of the transfer portal for nothing. He's gonna play a lot this year too. And yeah. and maybe Stripling is that fourth guy yeah. in that equation there. I hope so. But I just I don't know, I, I can't say.
0: Yeah, I'll say, uh, I'll I'll say uh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lean towards can't, can't miss, and it's very similar to my Jaden Davis thoughts because I'm rooting for the guy, man. He 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 does, he loves OU. I asked him yesterday. I said, hey, like you, you know, you've been here for a while. You've you've been kind of moved around and put in different positions, and yet you're in a in a ever since you know I ever since I was a kid, I I've always wanted to go to OU. And he said that it was Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peterson made him want to go to OU. That was his guy. And so he, he always wanted to be at OU, and he wanted to stay here. He didn't want to go somewhere else. He wanted to stick around in Oklahoma. And so I hope that gets rewarded. I hope that gets rewarded. The, a new staff comes in that hopefully can better utilize his skill set. And I want, I want Marcus Stripling to have a great 2022 season. Seconded. He's a good athlete, and he's got a, he's
1: got a really high motor. And, um, he's a guy too, you know, I mean, it's, it wouldn't surprise me if he, this is his, you know, his senior year at OU academically, and he, he he could theoretically graduate after this upcoming season. It'd be really nice to see, obviously it'd be nice to see him make a big impact his senior year and be, and be a guy who, who makes a lot of big plays for OU, but he's a guy too where it, I mean, totally acceptable, right? If he, he goes through year four, maybe he's just a role player again, and then, and then he's a guy for sure that 100% all right. if he if he goes ahead and transfers out and goes and plays like a fifth year somewhere else and actually gets an opportunity to play somewhere. Um, obviously, I hope that's a, I, I hope he's I hope he has a great senior
0: year. I hope he's I hope he's a late bloomer like Isaiah Thomas was. All right, I remembered or I figured out who I was confusing Marcus Stripling with in 2018. I was thinking of Mark Jackson or Mark Jackson. Well, of course, I do. Interesting. Yeah. I I had memories and you know what? I'm sorry, Mark, but I just I can't get out of my head. Uh, either it was just you being put in a really bad spot, or it was you just having a total letdown mentally. But you actually no, you were you're put in a bad spot because you for some reason were tasked with covering I think a wide receiver or a running back and Texas in the OU Texas game and there was a a wheel route that you just got burned on and I just can't get that out of my head because it was just like God, what what. Why are you? Why is this a thing? And that, of course, was the game where Mike Stoops got fired afterwards, uh, just because it was such a disaster. All right, next guy on the list. We're going to. The next two players I have are both in the secondary. Let's go with a a new player on the team. And he's not new to college football. I believe this is his second year of college football. I think he redshirted technically last last year and then transferred. But he's gotten a lot of good publicity, a lot of good talk so far in spring. That is cornerback can i walker can't miss or can't
1: play i think this one's pretty obviously can't miss at this point in time this this guy is going to be the starter opposite woody i think at corner um i just it's one of those things where I, I think we've had an oddly we haven't heard a lot about dj graham over the spring um but if you're talking corners and they're not talking about woody washington a lot of the times people are talking about can walker um and he's like, I, I can't, I mean, he's just, his size is just, is utterly perfect. It's, it's perfect. I mean, that's like, that's exact. I mean, if you're, if you're a coach in college football and you, your dream size and build for a corner, he is, he is exactly that. 6'2", two,
0: 203.
1: Dude looks like, and hey, I'm going off of pictures and I'm going off of videos that the media has been able to shoot at practice. That dude looks, He he looks great. Physically, he looks great. Um, I, I'll be honest, like when we were talking about the transfers kind of earlier this year, like still kind of you know earlier in the in the winter. Can I Walker is a guy that was really easy for me to forget. Um, a guy that I, I I wasn't thinking a whole lot about. I think we probably need to start rethinking that. I think he's going to be a big time guy for OU. I, I mean, he's th- th- this is one I think is going to pay dividends for OU. This is a big one.
0: So I, I remember in uh, in San Antonio. Uh, I I every once in a while I, I get a chance I I talk with Brandon Drum who is a a, a real good guy very plugged in uh, great on recruiting and it was I think it was either uh, either Kenai Walker had already transferred or was going to transfer or already committed or what I, I don't know but I remember him telling me that Kenai Walker was a guy that a lot of teams wanted and he's a player that a lot of people had a lot of high hopes for and. He was supposed to play a lot. I think he was at Louisville last year maybe, but maybe he got banged up or he got injured, and he didn't play very much, and so it kind of makes you think, oh, why didn't he play much? Maybe he's not that good. So, I mean, Brandon was telling me back in December that he's heard a lot of good things about him, and now you fast-forward to April, and we're hearing all these great things about him, and I think Brandon might have been onto something. The the people that he was talking to must have been giving him some pretty good information because, uh, yes, he's at this point he's a can't-miss. He's been... Everything you hear about Kenai Walker is great. Like talking to Jaden Davis yesterday, I mentioned him, you know, earlier in the podcast that Jaden Davis is such a nice guy and is so pro teammate. Uh, but he had a lot of awesome things to say about Kenai Walker. He he said specifically his energy, his aggressiveness stands out to him. Uh, Jaden said that Kenai Walker has shocked him. He's so smart. He's so confident. He's a long, big corner, and uh, you know they welcomed him in day one with open arms. And uh, what stood out to me the most is that uh, you know he's this is only his second year in college. He's going to be a, a redshirt freshman, Kenai Walker. And Jaden Davis said, and "By the way, Davis, this is going to be his fourth year at OU." Davis said, "You know, you'd think he was older. He acts like he's a junior or a senior. So whether that's the way he plays on the field or how he conducts himself off the field or in the locker room, Jaden Davis." To him, Kenai Walker seems like a veteran player. So that might be another kind of nugget that, yeah, maybe he's the guy that's going to be opposite of Woody Washington. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you. I think uh, can't miss with Kenai Walker as of right now. All right, so the last guy, and you know, this is an interesting one, a guy we've talked about a lot on this podcast over the years because I, I, I think he's, he's just about – he's been in college as long as this podcast has, has existed, I want to say – uh, or maybe close to it, maybe not, maybe not quite. But uh, the last guy, in, he was 2017
1: class guy. He was he was a red shirt in two, 2017. Oh wow, Got yeah. His okay. first uh, first taste of action in 2018. Yeah, he's he's literally just one year younger than Caleb Kelly. Just kind of puts it in perspective.
0: So the last name I have until we get to the end, if we have anybody else, but in in the in this this game that's sweeping the nation, the fastest growing game in the history of college football podcasting, can't miss or can't play. Is defensive back Justin Broyles. Grant, the new coaching staff here, a guy that played a lot last year. Does Justin Broyles uh is, is he a can't miss player or is he gonna be a can't play guy?
1: I mean, I I he's I I like, I'm just not gonna fall into the trap. He's a can't miss guy. He's gonna play a lot. I <laughs> he's um Broyles and and I I can't remember if it was it was Gabe and Teddy talking about this or if it was on if it was the 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 sooner scoop guys. It was a sooner um, scoop
0: guy. I think it was Yeah, uh, Broyles
1: Broyles has a yeah. really really good reputation in the building and I guess he's really sharp. He picks he he picks stuff up really quickly. Kind of knows where everyone is supposed to be. And um I that's extremely valuable. That's really really valuable. Um and hey, like we we talked about Justin Broyles a lot last season. It was it was kind of a different scenario where it was just like yeah it's like I think our our biggest complaint with Justin Boyles last year was that he just didn't raise the ceiling of that position because Broyles wasn't bad like he didn't really make any mistakes last year he just didn't do anything dynamic and he he really wasn't even exposed until the second half against Iowa State last year so um he just he was he was just kind of there and he didn't he didn't do anything wrong he didn't make any mistakes and man I I, we talked about it with jayden davis guys who have just played a lot of football have been able to have, have have played in different different years of college football and i mean the game i'm sure has slowed down for them a little bit and so like those guys are valuable and why i what I, I don't think Broyles is going to be in the top five of the defensive backs um he's he's gonna play i mean he, he's he's gonna be one of those first guys off the bench and i think you know one of the things that I think is going to be interesting going forward, especially in spring. And I, maybe we'll see sort of how it plays out in the spring game where guys are or not. But, um, the, the numbers at the, at defensive back are really, really interesting, are super interesting. Um, I kind of wanted to, I, you know, Oh, what was it? It was the, uh, there was a, OU football there. They put out a Twitter video. Um, that was like a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was Julo Farouk catching a touchdown pass one handed over the middle from, from Dylan Gabriel. And, um, there was uh there was a guy on and I don't think this was like a huge thing but there was a guy on, on the Sooner Group message board who just who kind of slowed it down and was trying to like go frame by frame because he was trying to pick out um guys who were starting and I just thought it was interesting but you could go frame by frame in that and you could you could pick out uh, who the five starting defensive backs were at least for that day in practice uh, Justin Broyles was not was not one of them um, but it was I you know it was interesting the two safeties were uh, were Key Lawrence and Billy Bowman. You saw Woody Washington was in there. Um, Trey Morrison was also in there. And I thought it was interesting. The other corner was Kenai Walker. Um, so like, if you want to take that as gospel, and I, I don't, but it's it's definitely an interesting kind of look into what it was because it was definitely the number one offense. Um, but yeah, the DBs were were Lawrence, Bowman, Woody, Kenai Walker, and Trey Morrison. And it does kind of, it makes you wonder, where does Justin Boyles fit into that? Where does DJ Graham fit into that? Where does Jaden Davis fit into that? it's it that's it's interesting
0: well yeah I, i'm with you i, I think he's a, a can't miss guy uh and i I'm sure that video slowed down you can go through that stuff but i i, I do know that i mean broils has been playing with the ones a good amount in yeah. the spring anyway yeah. so i mean he uh they must be going kind of mixing guys in and out um you know when, uh, towards the end of practice here and there whenever i've been talking to some guys and they, they get to see more team He's been in mixed in with the ones along with key and along with Billy Bowman. Uh, and also Jaden Davis has actually been mixed in with the ones as well, along with the South yeah, okay. Woody Washington. So okay, uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's definitely valuable to know. I
1: think it's interesting. I mean, especially if we're talking about Justin Boyles too, they just brought in this, you know, they brought in Trey Morrison from North Carolina, a guy who is, who started all four years at North or all three years. He was at North Carolina. I mean, he's a guy who is in terms of actual like snaps played is, you know, just as maybe a little even more experience than Justin Broyles is could you argue that Trey they brought in Trey Morrison to kind of play that
0: Justin Broyles role I don't know Yeah no, I don't know yeah I I think uh yeah it if I had to my thoughts on Justin Broyles is Sure, if if guys like Jaden Davis and Marcus Stripling, you know, you, you hope everyone plays better in this new system, and they're put in better position to succeed. So that should also transfer over to Justin Broyles, right? I mean, he's a veteran player who's smart, picks things up, so he should be able to play better as well. Uh, so I I think day one will probably be starting, and I think that's what the uh, some I can't maybe Josh and Sugar Scoop said that, and I remember he uh, in one of their most recent podcasts. And when he said that, I at, at first my first thought was kind of like, I don't know about that. And then now I've thought more about it. And I thought, okay, yeah, he's probably right about that. He probably will be starting day one. But as time not goes on, bet. though, not a bad. Yeah, bet. As, as time goes on, though, maybe I don't know. I, I guess I'm curious to see what kind of position they really because I guess I mean they have him at Nick playing the nickel spot, and I don't know. I mean, how is that position going to evolve, and how is it going to be in Brent Venables' defense at Oklahoma? I you know I don't know. That's it's a mystery to me. I mean, I know. Uh, she's the the guy that who's the guy that jeez I'm the, the really good linebacker guy that they had a couple of years ago that got first round pick. I'm um, uh, Isaiah <laughs> Murray No, Isaiah Simmons. Oh, Isaiah. Plans, Simmons. Sorry, I'm, yeah. uh, Venables coach. Like, wasn't he kind of in that kind of hybrid type role that Venables likes? That like only a very few, only very few people can kind of do that though. I mean, you got to have that kind of yeah, body Venables- type.
1: Yeah, if, if if you're going by like his scheme, like Venable's would prefer not even to play a nickel. He would prefer his Sam linebacker to be, to be someone like Isaiah Simmons, who can just who can, who is the same size as a linebacker but can cover like a safety or yeah. a corner. That's what he would prefer, yes. which is Unicorn. what he did with you know Keenan Clayton. What, you know what is was was kind of his last and Tony Jefferson as well to an extent. But um, I, I think that's going to be interesting going forward, too, because and that's not to say that Venables hasn't been playing with a nickel at Clemson. I mean, he has. It's just not hasn't historically been his base defense. I think that's interesting to to look
0: at going forward. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because he uh, he was asked about the nickel position last week. Venables was. And let's see, I, I wrote down a bit of his verbatim uh, what he said I'll do my best to read it. It might sound a little bit choppy because I'm doing it on my phone as he's talking. So it's not, not the best, but Venable said that everything we're doing is a work in progress, uh, personnel finding strengths, all work in progress. You want as much versatility as you can. Uh, and this is where it got interesting. He said, you know, I'm still seeing if there's a Roy Williams out there. Uh, you know, if there's a Tony Jefferson out there, if there's a, a Keenan Clayton out there, um, and geez, now I'm gosh, uh, the guy that intercepted Tebow in the title game, Nick, Nick. Oh, Nick Harris, Nick Harris. Yeah. I, I couldn't think of Nick Harris's last name. Yeah. Is, is there a Nick Harris out there? So it was kind of he- fun listening. Venables go through all of these players from, you know, back when he was at OU still and uh, kind of like what he's looking for. And I was like, Oh man, yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, cool. Uh, but he said he wants the versatility. I uh, said, they're giving lots of people a chance back there to look at it. Um, and what's interesting. He, he said from the spring, until fall camp venable says that he expects to be on a different planet when they start fall camp um and then if you if you go back and listen to his press conference it's even better because he goes he's like we need a guy that uh can be a post player he can play half the field he can play the b gap he can set the edge on screens he just he can play wheel route so basically you want a guy that's unicorn that can do it all like an isaiah simmons that can cover but also come up and stop the run a guy that can spy the quarterback um so it is there a guy in Oklahoma's roster that can do all of those things? I don't know. I I don't but if there is, they'll find them. A couple guys at the top of my head with the body type, what
1: they're looking for. And it's only one of them is on campus currently. And that's Justin Harrington, um, who is a walk-on actually. I think that's what Brent Venable said, which is kind of interesting. Uh, The other guy is Jaden Rowe, who is going to be a true freshman. And I, you know, I don't, I highly doubt you can, you can count on a true freshman to play, to play that many roles. But, uh, I think uh, that's I I, I got to think that's that's what they have in mind for Jaden Rowe.
0: Like that's what they're going at least going to try with him, initially. All right. So, any other defensive players that you'd like to play this incredible, groundbreaking, awesome game can't miss or can't play? Like there's
1: there's so many defensive guys we could we could do this for. I think I think an interesting one we could do it for would is someone like Corey Roberson, um, a guy who is just. Uh, guy who is like i mean really he's been good i mean he's he's been good the last two years for ou he just hasn't he's been behind uh he's been behind perry and winfrey and jalen redmond and all that and so i think we're probably going to see Corey roberson probably and you know the same amount that we that we've seen in the last couple of years um but i don't know it'd be kind of interesting to see if he can take a step just because i mean he's he's been an impact he, he's a guy who beats blocks pretty consistently when he's in there and you could also I, ask some questions about Josh Ellison
0: as well. See, who I, is, you know, to me, all those guys are the I, – I would throw all those guys, uh, Isaiah Coe. Uh, to me, they're very similar. You, you throw them all in the same, uh, the same prompt, and I think they're all can't miss. I think they're all going to play. They're all going to play a good amount of snaps. I, I, how could they not – I just feel like we, the defensive line, even even going back to Mike Stoops and Ruffin McNeil, was the strength of the defense for the mo- like as a whole – the best player on the defensive side was... Well, actually, I was going to say Kenneth Murray, but honestly, in 2018, the best player on defense was probably Neville Gallimore. He was... I mean, whenever he was out, they gave up 100 points to Kansas. Yeah,
1: Gallimore, like, Bolton, and Bledsoe were the probably the three best players on that 2018 defense.
0: So, point being, you know, Stoops era with, obviously, Calvin Thibodeau was there, and then Thibodeau was there with Grinch and Jamar K. Like The defensive line has been good. And so, now you got... Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis, two coaches that we have incredibly high hopes for. And at least one, Todd Bates has a lot of skins on the wall with Brent Venables calling the plays. I just, in my mind, the defensive line is, it's going to be good again, if not better. Uh, So all those players to me are are can't miss. And then another player that you throw out there that I want to see his development. What about Kelvin Gilliam? I mean, he's a player that was a monster size-wise last year. Didn't play all that much. What's he gonna kind of kind of jump? Is he gonna make in his second year he's, in the program? He's kind of been a guy that
1: other players have mentioned too, um, in terms of I think like his physical you know attributes. So yeah, yeah. I mean that's that's it's gonna be interesting. He's he's kind of a guy. He seems a little a little a little closer to the ground. Like he's C-6-3. not he's not very tall. Am I am I wrong about that or? Yeah. Good luck moving him off a gosh, block. Maybe he's just like I, whenever I see him, he just he just looks short. I guess. And that's, I mean, I'm, I'm a short guy. I'm not, not, not like ribbing the guy or anything. I'm, I'm a very, very short person, but.
0: All right. Before we go, I do want to read, this is going to be off the cuff. I'm just going to read some comments from the West of Evers Facebook page uh, that I, I did notice after last week's episode that you guys posted. And I apologize for not getting back to you, but I'll do it here on the podcast. So uh, Shelly says, loved your podcast today and I do want more disdain for Lincoln Riley. Okay. All right. So there's some feedback from Shelly. We did some some funny USC Lincoln Riley headlines last week. I'm listening. Okay. I'm listening. Uh, So thank you for that, Shelly. Good to know. We will file that away. I'll keep keep an eye out for more USC Lincoln Riley stuff. Uh, More comments from the West of Everest Facebook page. Hunter says, (laughs) he says, Lee's new nickname is Big Hits Lee. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, whenever i was making fun of uh, uh radley hiles last okay that's pretty funny uh, <laughs> uh he says yeah big hits i agree got a laugh out of that all right well you know uh, there's been worse nicknames out there uh, <laughs> uh i don't know if it's going to make my driver's license but i'll i'll take it so you know the nicknames are always good and uh, oh and and harry so uh, Harry wants to make sure that we know that the, the Georgia Bama game this past year, the title game, was in was in Indianapolis. So I think maybe there was some, conf- yeah, I think there might been some that. confusion, Harry. We we were trying to figure out after like down the line where the games are, um, and so I think we decided we figured out that next year's games in in LA. But uh, Harry, thanks as always for posting on the Westsavers Facebook page, and then finally, looks like Justin left us a message, and I haven't I haven't seen this yet. So I'm kind of on the Facebook page now. I just decided to bring it up. So I'm going to read Justin's message for the first time here on the podcast. So Justin says – and Justin posts all the time, and we appreciate his feedback, and, and we appreciate him listening to the show from, I believe, since day one. Uh, Justin says, saw an article on Trojans Wire that referenced a San Jose news article saying that the damage Clay Helton did in his time at USC is so great that Riley will need two or three cycles to build the program up and that 10 wins or a Pac-12 South title, I believe – is unrealistic to expect in year one and this is justin talking he says i thought that was interesting since your last podcast mentioned trojans wire considered at least 10 wins to be necessary to consider the season a success kind of looks like they're sitting on both sides of the fence just figured i would mention it if there is a way you guys can use it as meat for the next podcast or something always enjoy listening and excited for the next one uh interesting You know, it makes me kind of wonder, I might have to go back and do some digging, if maybe there was a different writer for both stories. So maybe one Trojans wire writer has his thoughts of a a 10-win season, but maybe another person is being more realistic. But that's a great find there by Justin. And we appreciate any sort of help. If you guys see stuff about USC that you think would be interesting for the podcast, pass it along on the West of Everest Facebook page. What do you think, Grant?
1: I mean, like, obviously, I, you know... I agree with that. I think there's just, there's a lot of people who are, who are kind of diluting themselves to what the situation is currently at USC. I mean, it's football programs are not, they're really not one year fixes. I know, I know the transfer portal makes that a lot more realistic, but man, I, a lot of stuff has to go right for you to have a really good football program. And it, it, you know, I listen to Bruce Feldman and, as soon as Bruce Feldman said that USC is in the worst spot it's been since pre Pete Carroll, listen to Bruce Feldman. He lives in LA. He has, he has amazing contacts. Like, I mean, he's, he's telling you what USC's football program is like right now. And you, and they've done a good job in the transfer portal. They have, I mean, bringing in Caleb Williams and Travis die, just those two guys. That's a big deal. I mean, that that's going to make their offense a lot better immediately. Mario Williams, Mario Williams too. You know, I, I I think Mario Williams is probably going to be really good. I you know I'm just I'm not. You know he was he was mostly just he wasn't just a guy. It's that that's obviously a big pickup for them. I you know I don't want to I don't want to poo poo that. But USC's in a really bad spot. They are, they live in LA, which is one of the most fertile recruiting grounds in the entire country, and they went four and eight last year. That program is in a world of crap.
0: Okay, so you know, I don't <laughs> I, I didn't have this like, planned period. at all for the show, but since uh, Shelly did say that she liked the the Lincoln Riley uh, ribbing. Uh, I I did think of this because I I saw this and I think I may have uh, sent you this link or we talked about it maybe off the air since our last podcast. Uh, the the video out there of Lincoln Riley and the USC coaching staff doing up downs because they quote unquote lost a bet at spring practice was a very interesting piece of video and my my thought was I think I texted you. It's one of those things where a year ago, if we saw something like this like posted on the Oklahoma account, we'd be like, ah, look at that. He's a player's coach. He's doing the- – oh, man, what a guy. And now now you see it at USC, and you kind of just – you scoff it. Psh, psh. Look at this. Look at, the, look at the prisoners running the asylum here. Yeah, does this guy even have control of his program yet? God, the, the players are making him do stuff? Like, God, come on. It's just funny how, how one year can change the outlook – on an innocuous video that's out of obviously Lincoln Riley and the coaches have trying to ingratiate themselves to the USC players. So I don't know if anyone saw that, but uh, that'll be the, uh, the Lincoln Riley USC portion of today's podcast. Anything to
1: add? Or? I don't have any comments on, right. I, don't, I don't have any comments on that. I, <laughs> no, I, don't I don't care about that. I mean, it was, I just thought it was crazy. I mean, wow, an actual, an actual video of Lincoln Riley at practice.
0: That's on the internet. <laughs> I mean before that all we had was uh, videos of him doing the same thing at every practice we got to see him walking around standing by the quarterbacks that was and every once in a while you know talking to them and you know watching them throw that was the same video every single year spring practice fall practice we would have Lincoln Riley either walking around uh, briefly during the stretching period and then we would get him standing around the quarterbacks and that would be it and we'd be We'd be asked to leave after about 15 or 20 minutes. And there was, there was never any individual instruction about anything other than the quarterbacks. So that's just what it was. So uh, it was, yeah, I mean, he was, he was moving, getting up and down. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't see Alex Grinch in that video. I, you know, I can imagine Alex Grinch saying, no, guys, I'm not, no, this isn't, no. You listen to me. I do not follow your orders, you follow my orders.
1: So yeah, I don't I I can't imagine. I can't imagine Alex Grinch just going along with that. He probably thinks that's stupid. It just kind of seems like his personality.
0: Man, that's a Man, I like Alex Grinch, man. I I like Alex. He's a he's a really good football guy who I think is somewhat short-sighted in his defensive philosophy. That that's He's a guy that man, I I love to talk ball with him, but I, I just based off of last year when when things don't go the way he expects them to go defensively with his his scheme he doesn't have any answers for it <laughs> he doesn't have doesn't have any answers for it, but hey man, I still like yeah, the guy.
1: his answer is to is to play better, and that's if you if you got to say that as a coach you're you're not in a good spot no, no. not in a good spot but again, want to
0: emphasize I like the guy good dude good dude he actually he actually gave us stuff he actually told us things that Lincoln Riley would kind of hold back so good for him on that all right any final thoughts before we wrap up this podcast today Grant I don't got any all right, that is it for this one. We'll be back next week to preview the spring game. I mean, we're going to break it down from all angles. Our uh, predictions for every single player on the roster, uh, their stats, how many tackles they're going to have, catches, how many passes attempted by Dylan Gabriel, uh, the final score. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna predict what the spread should be. It's going to be probably a four to five day long podcast. So block out your calendar. Geez, psycho! All right. <laughs> Now we'll have that preview Just run for that you. bit
1: into the ground. Why don't you? Uh,
0: I'm I'm really excited for my bits today. I think they really uh, really gave this podcast a little extra bit of pizzazz. So until next time, <laughs> for Grant I am Lee. This is West of Everest. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe to the show, and if you want to help us spread the word, please leave us a five star review, and also tell all of your friends who are OU fans about West of Everest. You can listen to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.